0: Well, let's turn for the last time at least in this series to Psalm 23 it's been a it's been a joy um, our first aim in this series has been to encourage uh, these truly are different days they're, they're, they're difficult days and as we conclude this this last verse in this book um, let's let's bring our if we're discouraged, if, if we're flat, if we're, if, if we're jaded, or whatever the case is, whatever we brought into this week, uh, let's, let's lay that before this psalm. Let's lay that before our time and lay that before this very verse. Because some are anxious, fearful, some are even distressed at what the future might bring. Whether that's our country or our family or whatever, is th- th- there's a lot going on. And so we come to this psalm this morning, looking to be refreshed. I, I, I loved meditating on Psalm 23 the last couple months. But I can't tell you how much I've loved meditating on it this week. My family has heard me uh, sing multiple times this week, verse number six. Now, no, I'm not gonna sing that for you right now. Surely goodness. How many of you ever heard that song before, right? Yeah, okay. And um, But I would just sing that around the house and, you know, with all of the, uh, the, the different ways. And, and so I couldn't find it this morning to actually lead it. But um, so uh, maybe, maybe we can ask Pastor Mike to do that sometime. But I've loved meditating on it. I've also been blessed by those that have verbalized what it's meant to them the last two months and how it's helped you. And I'm thankful for that. But the first person to be helped by this psalm was David himself. Picture what it was like for David to write this psalm under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. I want you to think of his life that was plagued with trouble. The aggravation from Saul, the opposition from the Philistines, the the pressures of leading a divided nation the troubles in his own family, not to mention the very sins that plagued his own life and his own heart. And so as David thinks about all that he is facing in in this moment of his life, his mind goes back to the early years of his life, the early years maybe of his work and of his ministry, of when he was keeping the sheep. And as he remembers what he did for the sheep, Some words come to mind, the Lord, he is my shepherd. He begins to think about what that means. When I cared for the sheep, this is what it meant for those little physical sheep, but what does it mean for the Lord? What does it mean for the good shepherd to take care of me and to minister to me? What is true for me? And he says, because he's my shepherd, he says, I shall not want words continue to come to the mind of David whatever is going on in his life he's he's thinking back and he's like but the lord is my shepherd and i shall not want and he begins to think about how he's going to lead me he's going to lead me into paths of rest He's going to lead me beside still waters. He's going to help me to be able to, to, to lie down because the arena that God has placed there for me is, allows me to lay down and to rest. He leads me in the right path, leads me into the paths of righteousness. As he continues to ponder what it was like to be that shepherd, he thinks of how the Lord restores him when he wanders When he has kind of the the, the, the spirit that that wants to falter, that wants to fall away a little bit, the Lord restores him. When he begins to get a little bit wobbly in his faith, a little bit wobbly in his life, the Lord comes and he he stabilizes him. He brings him back. He picks him up. He's never going to let him go. He begins to think of how the Lord guards him. As he walks through some very, very dark valleys, and more were going to lie ahead in his life, but he says, even when I was in those darkest of valleys, he was with me. The shepherd was with me. I didn't didn't have to fear what the unknown was like. And then he said, the Lord sustains me. The Philistines, they hate me. Trusted colleagues betrayed me. Members of my own family rise up against me. But the Lord, he stands with me, and the Lord, he gives me strength. He prepares a table before me in the presence of my enemies. See, the whole of this psalm is really a meditation on what the good shepherd does for his sheep. And David's faith, as he's pondering this, it's strengthened as he begins to talk about what the Lord is to him. I wonder if we had an impromptu praise time. I wonder how long we could go. I wonder how long we could begin to say, hey, this is what the Lord is to me, this is what the Lord is to me. Or have we allowed ourselves to be choked by the cares of this world and the circumstances of our life. Or can we, like David this morning, at least with this next verse, please allow you to get this glimpse of what this good shepherd means to you? Psalm 23 is an exercise in faith. It brings to mind all that is true for you in Christ. And that's why it's so encouraging. When you're tired and you're Jaded, drained. When you're when when you're flat. When you're being persecuted. When you're run down, and you you need to be refreshed. I want you to bring to mind that what you have in Jesus Christ is Psalm 23. I want Psalm 23 to become something that isn't just read at funerals. That isn't just something that hey, you know what? I grew up hearing that. No, 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 no. Going forward, obviously, we're going to leave this series. But going forward, that Psalm 23 ministers to you. That when you get to places that we've described in this series, I mean, David is talking from real life here. And when you get to those places, why don't you turn back to Psalm 23 and begin to tell yourself, no, 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 this is what the Lord does for me. This is what the Lord does for me. You know what that's actually called? You're going to preach the gospel to yourself. Because this is what Jesus has done for you of what you were and what you are now, you are, you've been bought and you have been and born into this amazing family of God. Get to the point where David did in Psalm 103 and he says, bless the Lord, O my soul. He begins, to, he begins to talk to his inner man and he says, all that is within me, bless his holy name, bless the Lord, O my soul and forget not all his benefits. You know what we've learned over these two months? I took a break for Easter and before Easter. These are the benefits that you have of being part of the family of God. Stir it up. Stir up the soul. Say, God, this is what you are for me with my relationship in Jesus Christ. And so let's conclude, as sad as that is, our series with verse number six. Hopefully you've found Psalm 23 by now. Maybe you can even quote it. But it says, surely goodness and mercy. I love that. It's going to follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. When the Lord is your shepherd, his love surrounds you now and forever. So, what's the last point here? The good shepherd loves me. He loves me. And he loves you by pursuing you and welcoming you. So, let's start with the pursuit. Look, it says, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. Now, Philip Keller, he says in his book, A Shepherd's Look at the Psalm 23, it says, one of the joys of farming life are the dogs that chase after the sheep. A shepherd's dogs are always with him. When the shepherd goes out to gather sheep from the hills and bring them into the pens, the dogs go with him. They will run in wide arcs over the hills, chasing the sheep in the direction that the shepherd wants them to go. And when the sheep are gathered, the shepherd will lead them and the dogs will bring up the rear. That's cool. I mean, shepherds, sheepdogs, I mean, what what a beautiful thing this is. Highly trained, hardworking and intellectual creatures they are. And no shepherd would ever go out without them. To think of a shepherd walking in front of his sheep, right? That's what we've heard all throughout this psalm so far. That, that he leads us in this. So this, so the shepherd is is out in front, but he also has someone following them, and it's his and it's his sheep dogs chasing after the stragglers, keeping uh, the, them going in the direction that the shepherd wants them to go. So the good shepherd, he has two sheep dogs. One's called goodness. And the other is called mercy. I love that picture. Surely goodness and mercy, they're gonna follow me. They're gonna, they're gonna chase behind me all the days of my life. So the good shepherd, listen, the good shepherd keeps us close, he's leading us, but then he keeps us close to him in his grace, and his love and his compassion for us by his two sheepdogs, if you allow me to put it that way, of goodness and mercy that are going to be chasing after me goodness starts with surely goodness is going to chase after me someone might say well my life is filled with a great deal of trouble and I'll be honest with you you can easily list many things that are not as the way that you would have planned them I think all of us could do that Um, as somewhat of an indictment on American Christianity. I think if we did like a sorrows time of testimony, we probably can go longer with that than a praise time. That's just kind of American Christianity at its core. And let that be an indictment upon us. But so we can make a list, well, my life's not good, you know, because of this and this and this. And we we could make a list of all of that, of what's not going the way. Sin has brought its devastating effects into the world. And things are not as they should be in our world, our country, our work, our church, our homes, or even in our own hearts. But there is a good life, too. And I'll be honest with you, God used this heavily in my life this week. Right around around the middle of the week, probably midday on Wednesday, and it's like, listen, it's not all bad. There's a ton of good, and it was such a blessing to my heart. And listen to what the Bible says: every good and every perfect gift is from above, and cometh down from the Father of lights, and whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. So everything that's good in your life, my friends, comes from the loving hands of God. So thank him for it. Sinners, which if you're if you're a believer, you're not, you're a saint. Sinners blame God for everything and thank him for nothing. Believers should thank God for everything and blame him for nothing. See, sinners, they don't thank him for anything. When, when, when stuff's going well, oh, we don't thank him. But man, we sure blame him for everything. We should bring God into the court of our our thinking, well this is not how this should be. But you know what, saints, saints, it ought to be different. Believers ought to literally thank him for everything and not blame him for anything. Goodness is God giving us what we do not deserve. And if you belong to the good shepherd, God's goodness is always, always chasing after you. But not only goodness, mercy. So if goodness is God's giving us what we don't deserve, mercy is God not giving us what we do deserve. God chases after us with mercy. Listen, that's good news because if God was chasing after us in justice, we'd be in a world of trouble. Over the last few years, actually over the last probably decade, maybe even longer, but definitely the last few years, we've seen the devastating effects of wildfires here in the state of California, have we not? I remember just a couple years ago, I think it was in the end of August, maybe the beginning of September, remember the Santa Cruz fires in the Santa Cruz mountains, where you could right here, you could literally see the flames coming up over the mountains on the other side. It was crazy. And they were just rapidly coming our way. And how those fires would come and they would just wipe out mountainsides and cities in different places over the years. And it's, and it's horrific. Did you know that the Bible uses that type of picture? to describe God's judgment of the wicked? Psalm 83, verse 14, as the fire burneth a wood and as the flame setteth the mountains on fire and connects it to God's wrath towards the wicked. That's how God's judgment pursues the wicked. A wildfire sweeping over the mountains, consuming every single thing in its path. So thank God (laughs) that he does not chase you does not come after you in justice or in judgment or condemnation because of course you would run but why would you run when you're being chased by goodness and mercy didn't paul say it's the goodness of god that leads to repentance he did so don't run from him because you know what, he's not chasing you in condemnation, my friend. Romans 8 1 says there's no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus. He's not chasing you in condemnation. He's not chasing you in wrath. You do not have to be afraid of God, of what is he gonna do. You know what he's chasing you with? Goodness and mercy, mercy. Chasing after you, why? So he can just bring you closer to the good shepherd. When you belong to the good shepherd, you can be sure about this. God chases after you, not in judgment. But in love but in grace goodness and mercy but what else does the verse say it says follow me now remember david has already said that the good shepherd leads leads his sheep he leads me beside the still waters he leads me to pass in righteousness for his name's sake the shepherd he's out in front of us but now he says the shepherd's goodness and mercy they're they're now following the sheep so in Jesus Christ, you're literally just encircled in the love of Jesus Christ. There's an ancient Celtic hymn attributed to St. Patrick in the 15th century. It begins with these words. I want you to listen to them. It's so old, we don't sing it. I bind unto myself today the strong name of the Trinity. And it goes on to say this. Christ be with me, Christ within me, Christ behind me. Christ before me, Christ beside me, Christ to win me, Christ to comfort and to restore me, Christ beneath me, Christ above me, Christ in quiet, Christ in danger, Christ in hearts of all that love me, Christ in mouths of friend and stranger. See, when the Lord is your shepherd, you're surrounded on all sides by the goodness and the mercy of God. Behind me, before me, beside me. What did David say? Like No matter where I go, you know, it doesn't make you, you are there. My friends, nothing can separate the believer from the love of Christ, which is in Christ Jesus. Romans 8 tells us. Nothing. Nothing can separate you from this. This is a sustaining love. The good shepherd, he loves us. And what does David go on to say? All... The days of my life. All. That's what spoke to me this week. All. Do you ever have bad days? Do you ever have, you don't have to raise your hand because we wouldn't want to indict ourselves. Have you ever had days when you're mad at God? I told you not to raise your hand, Mike. Just kidding. We got a couple of mics here. That was Mike Flo. He didn't really raise his hand, just kidding. Picking on him. All, all the days of my life, even your bad days, even your days when you just royally blow it from like how we know we're supposed to live. I'm not the only one that has those days. Come on, quit looking at me like I got like, you know, a bunch of eyes up here. All. David says, goodness and mercy... God's sheepdogs, if you can let me put it that way. Again, he's a shepherd, right? So, so David's a shepherd, so he's, he's envisioning this. Goodness and mercy, they're going to follow me all. All the days of my life. He's never not there. He's never not pursuing you. He's never not chasing you. He's never not loving you. He is never, ever, ever against you. Christian. Remember, if you're not, if, if, if you're not a Christian, it's like a wildfire. But if you are, totally different. He's always, always for you. Does that encourage you? He's always for us. When you belong to the good shepherd, this is always true of you. I love what Jerry Bridges said in his book, Who Am I? (laughs) This is so good. Your worst days are never so bad that you're beyond the reach of God's grace. And your best days, oh, we like to think we have a lot of those. And your best days are never so good that you're beyond the need of God's grace, all the days of my life. So here we are, anxious, right? We're anxious about our world. We're anxious about our country. As you know, and I, I understand, right? We're anxious about our families. We're anxious about ourselves. And who knows what the future holds. But of this, you can be certain, whatever the future holds for your family, for, for your job, for our country, for the globe, for, your, for the church, whatever it is that surely goodness God's goodness and God's mercy is going to be pursuing us, going to be chasing after us. For what purpose? To discipline you? Nope. To keep you close to the shepherd. What what do those sheepdogs do? They make sure that they stay close to the shepherd. They make sure that they're staying in line with the righteous path, the path that they want them on. Hey, hey, don't wander off. You're starting to falter a little bit. Let me bring you in. That's what this is, it's to bring you into loving, awesome, closeness, fellowship. There's a song that we've never sung here, but it's a song that I love. It says, feels like redemption. Now people don't like the word feelings. I think we ought to get over that because redemption feels awesome. This message ought to feel awesome that you got a goodness and mercy sheepdog that are chasing you all the days of your life. All of them, it's awesome, it feels awesome. So not only does it pursue you, but praise God, it welcomes you too. Look at verse number twenty-six again, surely goodness and mercy. It's going to follow me all the days of my life, up, down, no matter what kind of our days are like, and, I like that word, and, I'm going to dwell in the house of the Lord forever. See, David said in Psalm 23, one thing have I desire of the Lord that I will seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. So he's like, hey, I'm going to dwell in the house of the Lord. I'm going to dwell in the presence of the Lord all the days of my life. But here he's saying to dwell in the house of the Lord forever. David says, because of God's goodness, because of God's mercy, because he leads me, because he restores me, because he guards me and he sustains me, because he loves me, I'm going to walk with him. I'm going to worship him. I'm going to love him. I'm going to serve him all the days of my life. But I actually think it's going beyond that. He's already said, surely in goodness... You're going to follow me all the days of my life. And so when he looks beyond the days of his life, this, this would, he sees it, what comes after. It's the joy of eternity. It's in the immediate presence of the Lord. I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. So what's that going to be like? Well, the first thing is that it's going to be different than what you know now. It's going to be different than this world. See, when you dwell in the house of the Lord, guess what? Your faith, it becomes sight. Right now, we, th- th- this is all faith. We're, we're, we're all, we, we all know the Holy Spirit's leading us in a certain direction, but, but, but it's faith. When you get to heaven, it's going to become sight. Old battles, stuff that you've been struggling with your entire life, guess what? Over, instantaneously. Old wounds, those get healed. God wipes away all our tears. All of the things that cause us to weep. You're gonna see Christ all his glory his kingdom is going to finally have fully come for you death is going to be defeated evil is going to be overthrown dwelling in the house of the lord will be incomparably better than the greatest joys any of us have known in this life your experience in heaven will be very different from your life in this world but your relationship with jesus will not change See, when John, who's given a glimpse of heaven, he beautifully says, when he's speaking of, kind of all the redeemed people, they're all, they're, they're all gathered together in Revelation 7, verse 15, therefore are they that before the throne of God and serve him day and night in his temple, and he that sitteth on the throne shall dwell among them. So the one that's sitting on the throne, he's gonna dwell among them, and John goes on to describe for the lamb which is in the midst of the throne, shall feed them and shall lead them unto living waters, fountains of living waters, and God shall wipe away all the tears from their eyes. So the relationship that you have with Jesus in this world is going to continue forever. Hmm. So how's your relationship with him now? According to Psalm 23, man, it ought to be robust. Psalm 23 ought to rock your world like it's done mine the last couple months. Because our everyday life is supposed to feel like this. That's your good shepherd. You can experience heaven now. So next week, we're gonna look at a sermon for moms, right? That's what we ought to do. It's Mother's Day. But then the week after that, we're gonna go into the Beatitudes of Matthew 5, the Sermon on the Mount. We're not going to preach the whole Sermon on the Mount. We'd literally be there for probably a couple years. It's so, so packed. But we're going to spend probably 16, 17, 18 weeks looking at the blessed text, which is the kingdom is ours now in Christ. And so what David is saying, David is giving us a glimpse of what heaven's going to be like and then... John gives us color to that. And you know what Jesus is going to be for you in heaven? Exactly what he is right now for you. And listen, if you have a low view of God right now, that doesn't excite you. But if you have found Jesus and that you can say, I don't want because I have him, then it's just a continuation. Jesus is what we will have in heaven. The lamb, he's in the midst of the throne. It's gonna be our shepherd. So here's what this means: a good shepherd becomes one with the sheep. It means that he took our flesh, it means that he came into our world, he, he shared our life, he, he became the lamb. John said, seeing Jesus coming afar, and he said, Behold the Lamb of God, which takes away the sin of the world. Isaiah 53 verse 7 says he was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He was brought as a lamb to the slaughter and as a sheep before her shearers is dumb, so he opened not his mouth. Why? He did all that because of us. Isaiah 53 tells us. But God raised him up and he exalted him to the highest place. And the Lamb of God now is the Lion of Judah. And he reigns. And here's what he says in John 10, 28. And I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish, neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. Literally, you are going to be with the good shepherd. John said he's going to lead them into living fountains of waters. Here's why eternal life will never be dull. I remember growing up, and even sometimes as an adult, you begin to think about forever and ever 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 and ever. ever, ever, ever. Kind of like you know, when you're a little kid, man, it really scares you, you're like forever. Be honest with you, as a 41 year old man, forever. But it's not going to be dull. This shepherd is going to lead his sheep into living fountains, on and on and on, fountains of waters. Heaven will be a world of fresh discoveries. Heaven's going to be a place of new delights. And it will be Jesus himself who leads you into them. Heaven will not be a world in which you meet Jesus and then you kind of go off and meet everybody else. I know that's what we thought, like, man, I can't wait to meet, you know, so-and-so and and -and and so-and-so. We're going to meet people, right? But it's going to be Jesus that is continually going to lead us into this world. The Lamb is going to be your shepherd. John 17, this is Jesus' high priestly prayer. He says this, Father, I will that they also, whom thou hast given me, be with me where I am. That they may behold my glory, which thou hast given me, for thou lovest me before the foundation of the world. And when we're in the Father's house, which David says we're gonna be in the Father's house forever, when we're in the Father's house, Jesus' prayer gets answered. Think of how often that prayer gets answered. Christians are dying all over the place in this world. Prayer gets answered, prayer gets answered, prayer gets answered every single time because now they're with the shepherd. We're going to be with him. We're going to see him in his glory. He's going to be our shepherd. He's going to guide us. It's going to be streams of living water. Thomas Boston in his book Human Nature in the Fourfold State says this, the glorified shall walk eternally seeing more and more of God. They may bring their vessels to this ocean every moment and fill them with new waters. David McLeod says, speaking of the Garden of Eden, before sin entered in, he said, I offered a scope for art, science, and technology, it offered. The same will doubtless be true of the world to come. Not only the creator, but the creation too will be an object of wonder to the redeemed. It will challenge their intellects, fire their imaginations, and stimulate their industry. The scenario is a thrilling one. Brilliant minds and powerful bodies in a transformed universe. You know what he's describing? He's describing ever-increasing joy. Just multiplication of it. The joy you experience in life, it's gonna remain with you. They stay in your memory and you can continue to derive happiness from them. As the years pass, you'll have a growing pool of blessed memories from which you can draw. And every new joy in your life makes the reservoir deeper. I want you to think about what it will be like in eternity. Just think about it. One joy will be added to another and another. The good shepherd's gonna lead you to more joy and more joy. And more joy you know what David was saying when you take Psalm 27 and Psalm 23 and you put them together you know what David was saying David was actually saying that your life can be more joy and more joy and more joy it's possible Ryan I don't I don't experience that I say this as lovingly as I can Your understanding of the gospel, which I've tried to preach for years, and your understanding of Jesus is not robust enough. Because your joy actually ought to be adding now. Jonathan Edwards points out, this is so beautiful. He says, so think about what we will be like when you have been in heaven for a million, million ages. Oh, that's a lot. A million, a million ages. Someone else can do the math later on what that number is. He says, the more you know of God and the more you will see of his beauty and the more you see his beauty, the more you will love him. And the more you love God, the more happiness you will have in him. My friends, we are talking about exponentially increasing joy. When we began this series, I had two goals, encouragement and enticement. I wanna end where I started. To encourage the greatest blessing you can know in life is to belong to the Good Shepherd. We live in a society where I've said this almost weekly, we don't wanna belong to anything, nobody owns me. I get that from a human perspective, 100%. But if we're not careful, then that boils over into our Christian world. Man, belonging, being owned by the Lord? By being bought and being birthed into his flock, there is no greater blessing in all the world. When the Lord is your shepherd, you're able to say, I'm not gonna want. He's gonna lead me, he's gonna restore me, he's gonna guard me, he's gonna sustain me. And oh, how we've learned today, he's gonna love me and he's gonna love me well. Goodness and mercy, they're gonna follow me all the days of my life. Whatever happens in your work, in your family, with your health or with your money, whatever happens in our country, if the Lord is your shepherd, you will always be able to say, Surely goodness and mercy. They're going to follow me all the days of my life and I'm going to dwell this welcoming in the house of the Lord forever. But how about an enticement? I don't know everyone's hearts in here. What is your position if the Lord is not your shepherd? What is your reality if you do not know the Good Shepherd as your Savior? If you've not come to the realization that you are a sinner and that you are in need of rescue from that sin, Jesus provided the need by dying and we accept that. What is your reality if that's not the case? What is your reality if you are your own God? What is your reality if you choose to be the captain of your own ship? If you choose to be the master of your own soul? Well, your reality is gonna sound something like this. I am my own shepherd and I will always want sin. It makes me restless. It keeps me from lying down in green pastures. It leads me beside troubled waters. It ruins my soul. It doesn't restore my soul. It ruins my soul. Sin leads me in paths of unrighteousness, which I pursue for my own sake. When I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will have great fear because sin is going to be with me. It guilts and it shames and it haunts me. Sin prepares a table before me in the presence of my friends. It promises much, but it always disappoints. And my cup, it's always empty. It's never overflowing. Surely judgment and condemnation will follow me all the days of my life. And I'm going to dwell in the house of the lost, which is hell forever. Who wants to say that? Someone that rejects The free gift of Jesus Christ, someone that rejects this good shepherd, that's their reality. I shared it at the beginning of the series. It's the anti-Psalm 23. So what becomes our reality when we reject Christ. The good shepherd has come to seek and to save the lost. He gave himself to you and he calls you. To follow him literally in your heart right now, you could cry out for Jesus to save you, and he would. The only thing that is the only barrier is belief. It's not your behavior, it's belief. You cry out before the Lord and you ask him to be your savior. Christian, this is your reality. And it's awesome. Would you live in it? Would you live in it not just this week? Would you live in it this month? Would you preach the gospel of Psalm 23 to you on a regular basis? That he loves you. That he sustains you. That he guards you. That he leads you. Why? Because he's your good shepherd. Have your head bowed. every eye closed. Why don't you go to the Lord right now? I'm going to, in the quietness of this room, music playing softly. Why don't you ask the Lord right now to increase your joy from the truths that we've learned in this series.